0: Okay, the ER Nurse Uncensored, episode number five, what's up? I am Mike, good to have you there. I have to thank everybody, Um, getting a lot of really great feedback from everyone who's been listening, started this very organically about a couple months ago, and uh, I've been doing some version of podcasting for 10 plus years, but nothing ER centric like this, or nursing centric at all. I was like, well, let me just fucking throw it out there, see what happens, and you know, start an Instagram thing, and it's been it's been going great, so thank you guys. Um, today, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to our hearts if you're not <laughs> in a management role or a leadership role, or maybe this might be the best episode to listen to, because you'll hear things that you probably need to hear uh, or think you might have heard before. But in not so many uh, contexts, uh, We have to talk about just leadership in the ER in general and the multiple tiers of it, and what's going on with the relationship between those who are boots on the ground and those who are in charge and those who are in charge of them and those who are in charge of them. You know and I'm not sure how many people who listen to this are actual nurses or work in an ER in a different setting or a different role, Um, especially if you work overnights or mid shift or day shift or what, your department might be smaller or bigger. I think that 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 plays a big factor. For me personally, and for a lot of the people that I've talked to over the years, I think that the theme is pretty centralized, that most times, now I know there's exceptions to every single rule but in most capacities leadership can be really really great at times but for the most part they are very detached and are purposefully in a position that they cannot properly have a relationship and make decisions based on the staff that will fulfill the things that they need or what they want it's they're just their their hands are tied and they're incapacitated to a certain point to do the things that they probably maybe want to do but after being in that role for six months or a year they get accustomed to the fact that they just are they can't do it and they sort of get lambasted by those above them into just that circular talk of well we're going to try to do this and we need to do this and but also we have to be able and, and it's just all kinds of like almost like lawyers speak. Like they talk a lot with not a lot being said. You know, unfortunately we are are living and dying nowadays by how it looks on paper to all the different algorithms and all the different surveys we send out and all the numbers. Everything is an Excel spreadsheet. Everything. And it's unfortunate but it's You know, door to room time and then it's door to doctor time and it's door to EKG and then EKG to meds or, you know, um, CT time for stroke alerts or everything is a time and a thing. And as they continue to worry about these things, the staff tends to find ways to either get close or accomplish these goals because they get beaten into their brain if you don't do this and everyone gets in trouble. It's like basic human behavior shit that they're doing. It's just you guys need to do this or subconsciously saying, you know, you you might be in jeopardy of your job, you're going to have poor performance. So, ER nurses and people who work in that setting do what they do best, which is adapt and figure it out and may have to neglect certain things like patients or their own lunch. Or their own well-being, but they'll figure out ways to make this happen. But as things go on, the expectations become greater and greater. For example, let's say they say, "Okay, anyone who's in the waiting room walks in should not be in a bed or see a doctor longer than seven minutes." And sometimes they'll put a, a provider in triage, or or some, or someone will be able to be available, like in a flex spot. Or, or they can get direct bedding. Direct bedding means you walk in the ER and you go right to a bed if there's open beds. That's the kind of the new thing right now. If there's open beds, you go to one. But let's say it's seven minutes. And then it's a tough adjustment, maybe three or four months. It takes to get down to like six minutes and 41 seconds. And they go, great. Then they let that cool off for a little bit. And then like three months later, they go, you know what? I think we can get it under six minutes. And they keep moving the goalposts. And this isn't every facet. And at the same time, you don't have the ability to change your behavior to loosen up any more time. Their goal is genuinely for you to never have a free moment. (laughs) Really. Because if you're not taking care of a patient and you're not charting, you're not medicating, what else could you be doing? That's how they look at it. And management, when you get into management from where, you know, go from nurse to, you know, maybe a assistant nurse manager, to nurse manager. These, these things, these algorithms and these expectations start to become a centralized part of your employment. So the, the buck keeps getting passed down to you. Now <laughs> I've always said there's four different categories of leaders. And I know that everyone who's thinking about a leader or leaders that they deal with on a daily basis will fall into one of these four categories. It's impossible to not be in one of these four. And I'm talking about grand scheme. I'm not talking about on a day-to-day. I'm talking about this is how they are. The first two are sort of like the most common. They are the ones who tend to be in the capacity that they're in, and they sort of get by because they can satisfy some people but not others. And they're like a C minus, C plus. But here's the reason why. These first two, like I said, are are the most common. First is they're good at their job. Like, they're good. They can figure it out. You know, they they meet the expectations. They send all the emails. They do all the bullshit they need to do. But personality-wise and, I don't know, just having a relationship with their staff, being a bitch, being a fucking dick, they're terrible. They have no skills to communicate or they don't have any personality or they're just an asshole and and have zero regard if at all for your for your well-being or for your opinion more importantly so good at their job bad person the other one just the second one's just the opposite really nice super great you know bend over backwards for you what do you need I'll help you out I'll come in I'll cover you for a few minutes go take a lunch Oh, I brought in snacks and, oh, here's a monster drink. Great, but (laughs) completely fucking incompetent. I mean, you wouldn't trust them to, like, move your car in the parking lot. I mean, totally, totally incompetent. No faith in their skills. Um, (laughs) They can't start an IV to save their life. Don't know how to chart. They can't fix a printer. (laughs) Like, you know, like basic troubleshooting things can't do it. But nicest people in the world. So it's like, well, I mean, they're nice, but I have to babysit them even though they're my fucking boss. Then you have the worst of the worst. And these ones are unfortunately growing in numbers. We're going to be dealing with a lot of C-plus people for a very long time here. But it's total garbage at their job. I mean, can't get anything done. Um, They just sort of spin their wheels Uh, they disappear for long periods of time, whatever it is, and they're a dick. And they're just not nice. They can't communicate with anybody. They're standoffish. They're sort of, and you're sort of like, how is this person still employed? Like you suck at your job and you're a fucking cunt. Like what the fuck? Like what's wrong with you? And then you look at people above them and go, how is this person employed? And you don't know if there's like some sort of like sexual blackmail going on or they're their drug dealer. I don't know, but a lot of times you're just completely flabbergasted by the fact that these people even have employment. And a lot of times they don't last for very long, but also some of these people have like crazy amount of hubris for some reason, and they think they're really good at their job, which is super dangerous. They look around and go, oh, I'm, I'm really good at this, right? And you're like, no, actually <laughs> you're fucking terrible. If you could just go away, actually times when they go away, it's much better. Because them not being around is fantastic for the department. Everyone's morale goes up, productivity goes up. So this is the worst of the worst. And then you have the unicorns. And these ones, unfortunately, are very unicornish. You cannot find them anywhere. (laughs) You're going to trap them, grab them. You stay in that department as long as you possibly can. But typically, they don't last long either. Because one, they either become burned out or they get promoted. But these are the ones who are super nice people, really care about you, you know, want to get things done, but also good at their job. Like, holy shit, you're competent, you're getting things done, you can communicate with the people above you, you protect us from them. Um, And you're like able to like jump in and do stuff and you're involved and you're a good communicator. Like these people are very hard to find. So that's the four categories of anyone who's in leadership. The problem is that they act as a conduit between the people who are doing the job, understaffed, getting out late, dealing with, you know, you know, shit all over the floor or people spitting on them and the whole big deal um, and the people above them who have no fucking clue what you do all day long. And all they do is sit around trying to justify their job. And everyone's, motivations are completely selfish i got to keep my job so i'm going to i'm going to trickle down this problem to this person and trickle down this other problem to this person it's just it's a fucking nightmare dude but it's very difficult to find someone who looks around and says this er nurse is working hard you know they came in early or they got here on time at least they took report, and they hit the ground running, and everything's caught up. I don't need to worry about them, and they're doing a great job, and I'm going to go by later and tell them they're doing a great job, and I'm going to make sure that I approve of their vacation as long as they put it in on time. Like, like, it's hard to find this. Like I said, the step above them are people who are in offices, who work 9 to 5, and they deal with the people above them. And guess what the motivation is? I know it's going to it's gonna be hard to wrap your head around. I know terrifying to think. They look at everything through a profitability lens and productivity. If I hear productivity issues again, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out. It's insane. De-staffing. Oh, we got to um we're going to put these meds on hold. There's a shortage on this. We don't have any blankets and oh, we're going to cut back on hours or we're going to cut you early and all this shit's productivity. And all that is is them punching in a bunch of numbers to an Excel spreadsheet or whatever algorithm they have, and it spits out a number and goes, at 3 o'clock, if you don't have nine more patients, people need to go home. And sometimes the people who act as the conduit, the nurse manager, director, whatever it is, is like, no, I'm going to hold off. But they now have to justify it. Because when word comes from up on high, uh, you better have some balls it's a backbone to, to, and, some, and the legs to stand on to be able to say that your decision is worthwhile because they're ready to hammer you into the ground, which then gets translated down to us. Now, I know for a fact that they don't know what they're doing based on this. Too many locations that I'm aware of, not only that I've worked at personally, but friends of mine and colleagues and coworkers have worked at is that let's say you're working 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., right? Typically in most ERs, 7 a.m., you get a a bolus of nurses. You know, you get six, seven nurses, whatever it is, depending on the size of your department. Maybe two, maybe seven, maybe 11, who knows. Then you get a couple more at 9 o'clock, maybe. You may have some 10 o'clockers, 11 o'clockers. Depends on how your format is. Let's just say it's 9 a.m., 11 a.m. Maybe you get a couple at 1 o'clock. You get a couple at 3 o'clock. And those are you know mid-shifters, and you get into that third shift. They look at it like this. If your department is slow at like 9.57 and you're a 7 o'clock person, 7 a.m. You only been there for maybe two, three hours, and you're slow and numbers are soft, they're on the hunt. And then they're going to start cutting people. And also people who are disenfranchised and people who are having maybe some morale issues, maybe not feeling so well, could go either way about going home. These people are probably going to go home. They're going to walk around and go, hey, we're taking volunteers. Do you want to go? Or even in huddle at 7 o'clock in the morning go, hey, listen, we're a little soft. Everyone want to go home. They will cut people on top of the fact that now you're reducing the amount of rooms that everyone can take and patients can go in. You're now calling nurses who are due in at 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock and pushing them back. So now it's like now you've kind of opened the floodgates into de-staffing. And now they look at it like this, like, oh shit, I can I can save us a bunch of money on staffing right now. The problem is, it's not like these aren't rollover minutes. You can't roll them over. It's not like you save today and you can make up more tomorrow. No, you're fucked. But as we all know, and this is the reason why I don't know they I know that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. We all know ninety five percent of emergency rooms don't do anything until probably eleven o'clock in the morning. Most of these fucking people, these losers, all the problems that exist in the world, don't start at seven in the morning. Most don't, obviously you'll get a few random days where it just blows up early, but that's rare. But you already have people there, so it's fine. But if you start de-staffing at 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, you're gonna get blasted. And most times they do. And the people who are hanging in there trying to earn their paycheck, and maybe they're running low on PTO, and can't afford to take another day off, or they got cut yesterday, or are they are on vacation next week and they're trying to stay their hours. These people who are trying to like stick in and work now now they're getting oh oh, the, 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 the waiting room's getting full. We gotta get people out. Can you, can you go meet someone out there and you got to go over here and you got to do this and hey, um, I need you to turn that blade over. Can you discharge this person? It's like, motherfucker, you had plenty of people here an hour ago. And now you're flipping out and now you're bringing me attitude and telling me to hurry up. You can fuck right off with that. I'm doing my day like I was doing it an hour ago when everything was fine until you made the decision to cut staff and push back people at 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Don't bring this on me. Now, if you're in a situation where you have a great leader who's a good communicator, who's good at their job, they may come around and go, hey, listen, guys, we're getting a little... I'm getting getting the shit from upstairs. I got to cut a couple people, but I'm not going to push anybody back. So I'll let you know, so I'm going to do, I'll jump in if you need it. Most times these people who make these decisions have no inclination to jump in and help. They'll get on the intercom or get on the radio or get on the text thing or whatever they have at your hospital and start just, you know, lobbing commands in, you know, every three seconds going, I need this, I need this, I need this. Like, bitch, why don't you fucking get up and do it yourself? I've had doctors, I've had providers who are great fucking people, by the way, who recognize the fact that the people who are in charge suck going out and grabbing patients out of the lobby. I'm going to tell you something, and nurses who are going to hear this are going to lose their fucking minds. I swear on my life this happened. I was super behind because they loaded. I had discharged three people out of my four, and um, they loaded me with two literally at the same exact time, and another third was coming in who was a pediatric who was seizing. Um, well, they said it was season. It wasn't season when they got there. It was EMS call. <coughs> Excuse me. And then... So I was in the first one, dealing with the second one, waiting for the other one to come in. I come out, and the provider who was dealing with the fourth patient that I had, who had been there for maybe about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, hadn't been seen yet. I can't remember what their complaint was. I think it was like leg pain, swelling, whatever it was. He started the fucking IV for me <laughs> and drew the blood... And did the triage or the uh, the assessment notes. He's like, yeah, I got it, man, don't worry about it. I'm like, i I <laughs> I went blind for like 30 seconds. I was like, you did what? He printed the stickers properly, like scanned them in, put them in the fucking, um, in the tube system, sent them to the lab. I was beside myself. I was losing my mind. I was like, no, you don't understand. What you just did is like, is, is un- incomprehensible, totally incomprehensible. Uh, he was like, no, 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 I've done it before, it's fine. And I asked other people before, It's like, oh yeah, he's done that before. I was like, hold on to this man <laughs> as a provider, like grim death, please, you need him. And, and this is the thing, we find ourselves in these circumstances because of the fact that a lot of people who are leaders are having trouble wrapping their head around if you don't treat your staff properly and you don't give them the basic respect of, listen, motherfucker, I'm here for 12 hours or 10 or whatever. We're here to do this together. Some of us don't want to be here. Some of us are here because We have good benefits. I've been doing this a long time. You guys pay me pretty well. I'm hanging in there, whatever. Or you know what? My husband just, you know, is out of work and I need to work. Or I can say, hey, listen, you know, my wife's trying to take a week off. I'm trying to pick up extra shit, whatever. We're here together to get through this shift. Can you please, for the love of God, just understand that if you don't treat your staff properly and you don't give them basic respect, don't bother them on their lunch. Try to understand that you've, been, you've done this before. Don't be a fucking dick. That you will retain more staff. Therefore, not having to have all of this turnover, you got to hire new staff, hire new nurses. People want a place to just land and stay. They do. But there's a horrible... Epidemic when it comes to nurses who come in and go, You guys fucking work here? I've been here for six months. This place fucking sucks. And there's there's a grass is greener disease that, that's that's plaguing all of us. You go, oh well, I want to try over here, I'm gonna try PACU, or I'm gonna to go to ER, oh I'm gonna to go to uh, this other hospital system, I'm gonna try this hospital, I'm gonna try this hospital, oh, I went there, I did cath lab. Listen, someone's people are just trying to find a place to land, they don't like jumping. But as they jump around, they realize, like, most of these places fucking suck. But I will tell you this. I'm going to say 80 to 90% of it is leadership. It all revolves around leadership. But you guys don't realize that. When I used to work for the fire department, I used to go to, we had 40 stations in our, in our, in our county. And we used to get floated. So I have my home station, whatever, but we have too many people or someone calls out, I need to move to another station. My number one question was, who's in charge? Who's, who's the lieutenant today? Because that person will dictate how my 24 hours goes in a good way or a terrible way or a neutral C-plus way. The problem is, is that we're going to continually have this growing population of C-minus, C-plus people, and those who do this job have an elevated sense of worth. We know how important we are because your hospital cannot run without us and nor can your department. So if you can't run your department and you're going to try to think, Oh, I'll just always have an endless supply of new nurses coming in. No, you won't because reputation gets around. And also like people know you, I know places to not go that I have not worked in six months based on information that I've gotten from other people. And not just one or two. We're talking wide swaths. Do not go to Lake whatever hospital because that nurse director is a fucking lunatic. An absolute tyrant. I try not to judge from too early on. But I've been there a couple times and she's a fucking tyrant. Awful. Like, will not look at you Pass her in the hallway. Doesn't say a word if you say hello. Could give two fucks if you exist. Just don't fuck up anything because otherwise you're done. Like it's terrible. They make their numbers. Corporate's happy. But this person is a raging, raging cunt. I don't know how they sleep at night. <laughs> I t- Maybe she's a total sociopath. Who knows? The Point being is like, they have crazy turnover. No one wants to stay there. They're always constantly paging out, oh, could you use help today, could you use help today, could you use help today. Really? No fucking shit. Saturdays and Sundays, coincidentally, when she's not there, not a problem. Fully staffed, great place to work. Monday through Friday, fuck you. No fucking way am I going to that place. That's the problem. Word gets around. And the ER, it's not like you know they, we, we schedule things. We are the last line of defense. You need staff. And you need experienced staff. You need experienced staff to teach the new staff what the fuck they're doing. Because I can tell you right now, the nurses who are coming out in the first two years now are um, very questionable. (laughs) I'll put it lightly. Actually, I I shouldn't put things lightly because it's called uncensored. They're fucking terrible. They are terrifying. Not all of them. Don't freak out. But a lot of them are fucking terrifying. And this is the product of a COVID education. (laughs) Some of it. Hey, man. Listen, I know you couldn't help it. And I know you didn't touch a patient or start an IV for a year. But Jesus Christ, I don't think you can work in an ER as a brand new nurse right now. I think you need a couple years experience before you even try this shit. But these ed nips are coming out. Good fucking luck, baby. And you want people. I've seen people who've been in the ER for a year teaching the new people. (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay, I, I know you think the supply and the pipeline of new nurses is going to be endless, it's not, and it doesn't matter, you need people who are experienced to stick around to pass on the good word, <laughs> you know, give them all of the good things and, and good habits that you've learned, and all the experience you have is to Here's how you do this. Hey, here's how you talk to providers. Here's how you put orders in where you don't need to talk to anybody. Here's how you get around giving 0.5 of that and You can give one. Like All these little tips and tricks that you need to know to fucking survive. Otherwise, you're going to burn these motherfuckers out too and then no one's going to work for you. So get your fucking shit together, leadership. Also, if there's a small problem, keep it small. Do not make it a big deal. And don't rap three, four, five, six other people who have far better things to be doing than to listen to your dumb bullshit about something dumb. I'll give you the example of all examples, and then I'll end the show. I know I'm running a little long the normal. This happened to me. This is no hyperbole. This happened to me three months ago, two months ago. We have, in the particular department I was in, they have the you know the rolling cow you know, computers that, that lift up and down. So you can stand with it or you can sit with it. There's also desks. So you can kind of do both at the same time. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I had a big flurry of three or four people at the same time, running around, meds, talk to the doctor, got to do this, okay, EKGs, but whatever, fine. Been caught up for like 10 minutes, scrolled on my phone, texted my wife, listened to, listened to a little bit of music on my little speaker, very low, by the way. I've been doing it for two years. It's never a problem. Everyone likes it. So we're all sitting around. And the particular chair that I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in front of my cow computer and I lean, I'm leaning back with my, my left leg crossed over my left leg and my arms are crossed. So I'm like sitting like in a, I don't know, like a, like a chair, the one that leans back, like an office chair. That's it. Not on my phone, not doing anything weird. We're all just talking. We have nothing to do at the moment. It's pretty chill. And about 30 seconds later, the nurse director walks by and she goes, do you need anything? I'm like, look, like directly at me. I go, um, no, we're, I think we're all, we're all caught up finally. Okay. So you don't, you don't need anything. And I looked around as if there was another human being that she was talking to and asking the same fucking question back to back for no reason. And I said, no, I think, and I looked at someone, I was like, are you guys good? Like trying to like direct her to look at everyone else. I'm like, I think we're Okay. And then round three goes, okay, so if you need something, you let me know, right? I go, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> go the fuck away, please. And walks away. And I'm like, I looked around. I was like, that was weird. And they're like, yeah, that was fucking weird. Because she was looking directly at me. There was three other nurses within 15 feet of me looking directly at me. So I'm like, okay, that was bizarre. Continue the rest of the shift. No problem. Everything goes smooth. I walk out on time. The next day I get a phone call from my director who's a, it's a float pool director because I'm float pool for a certain hospital system where I go to different ERs. So, um, I got a complaint from the director over at this hospital. I'm like, okay, what I, I for, you know, those times where you like hear something and you, you can automatically flash through your brain the, the 35 seconds It takes to like go through the entire 12 hour shift and go, man, I don't remember anything weird going on. Yeah. She said that you were lounging in the nurse's station. I go, what lounging? Yeah. She said you were lounging. I go, I don't even know what that means. I said, I said, I didn't have a cigar in my hand. And this is exactly what I said. I wasn't having martini. My feet were not on the desk. Is she talking about the fact that she came by and I was leaning back in the chair that was built to fucking do that? And she said, well, I think it's just, I think there was a perception. I go, her perception that I wasn't doing anything when I told her I was caught up? Well, I just think it could have been handled differently. I go, what? <laughs> the The chair is built to lean backwards. Like, What's the problem? I'm a 40 I'm thinking myself I'm a 44-year-old man talking to another adult about this. My director who's in charge of like 150 people. And I and I figured out why. I figured out exactly why it happened. The nurse director walked by and saw something. She had like that RoboCop vision. You know like that Predator vision where it's like it's like red and all these different numbers are running by and like the little radar lock is moving around. And she just saw me leaning back in the chair like a fucking everyone else does in their chair with my arms crossed doing nothing. And that bothered her. I wasn't technically doing anything wrong. But she saw it and said, there's something here I don't like. I don't know what it is, but I got to do something about it. But she also knew because she's probably totally insane thought to herself, well, there's no way I can walk up to him and be like, hey, can you sit up? Because that's a weird thing to say to an adult who is not doing anything wrong. So her default uh, reaction was, do you need something? Which obviously I didn't. And when I said I didn't, she was so flabbergasted by the fact that I didn't need something. On top of the fact that I wasn't doing anything, she had to ask again just out of Maybe her brain just had a weird glitch and had to do it again. So I said, no, I'm fine. And then now now her, 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 her brain is actual lava. She cannot comprehend the fact that I don't need something and I'm not doing anything. And I look somewhat calm and relaxed in a very busy ER. God fucking forbid. I'm so sorry. And then that way she left me and decided... This is still a problem for me. So I'm going to call the director and say that he was being, he was lounging. Lounging. And now I have to backtrack and sort of apologize for sitting back, for sitting in a chair (laughs) that they provide to me that is built to do the thing that it was doing. And I was sitting in front of my computer. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And now I have to like, apologize which I didn't I told my director I said I didn't do anything wrong and this perception thing and this handled differently you know how the best way to handle it like a fucking adult is you say if you really have a problem with it if you really have a problem with it and you're not a fucking pussy and you're an adult you say hey Mike can I talk to you for a second I'd be like sure You walk into the Pixis room or you walk in the supply room or you walk somewhere private and you go, I know this sounds crazy and I'm really sorry, but like, could you like not lean backwards in the chair like that? I think maybe patients would take it the wrong way, which by the way, you shouldn't be saying, but God fucking forbid you actually have a problem. This is maybe the way you should approach it. I'd be like, uh, yeah, that's fine. I, I, sure. No problem. Whatever. But the problem is, is those two things don't connect having a rational thought about how to handle a situation, but also accompanied by the fact that you have a problem with that situation. But this this is the antithesis of what what their vision is for a department. Constantly fixing problems. Here's the issue. There may not be an actual problem to fix. Or guess what? It's a flawed system, and there's always going to be things to fix. But for fuck's sake, you cannot allow every little problem to be huge. And you can't make it huge. You can't make it about yourself and your insecurities and your anxiety. We don't have time for that. You could have saved everyone a lot of heartache. Me and my director, a 12-minute phone call, probably two or three emails, and God knows whatever other time you spent with this. Please, save yourself from the heartache. If this is how you approach your department, it's a fucking problem. You're going to have trouble keeping people there. And I'll tell you fucking what, the people who come there electively, like float pool people, or people who pick up extra shifts at other departments are going to hear this story, which I've told a couple of times. And I said, and they've told me, oh yeah, that's how she is about stuff. I go, great. Fuck you. I don't give a fuck. Never coming back ever again. And I have no problem with that. I will lose zero sleep. That's one less person. Maybe two less people. Maybe three less people. Who knows? But all of you listen. (laughs) If you ever get into management... Please don't want your department like this. Because everyone's thinking what I'm saying. And we all have to put on this big act all day long just to satisfy you, you selfish motherfucker. Wake the fuck up and treat your people like people. We are in your possession, for lack of a better way to put it, for 12 hours. We're away from our families. We're away from our children, our pets, our home wanting to do things on a day off, on a Sunday, we're not watching football with our friends. Please, 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 please wake the fuck up. Please. <laughs> we're all begging you, get your fucking shit together because you're driving everyone crazy. <sighs> okay. That was the longest one I think I've done so far. All right, thank you guys again for all your help. See, that's a thing. I, 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 <laughs> I feel like I'm going to run out of material after like, you know, 10 shifts or oh sorry, 10 shows. And then I just work like a shift or two and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm the tanks refill again. So I'm, I'm good. Thank you guys uh, so much for your help and growing the show. It's been going uh, fantastic and, sh- and share it. Tell your friends about it. And you can always, I've had some direct messages and people ask me to talk about stuff. So I'll be touching on those in future episodes. And uh, yeah, I won't use any of your names or anything, but feel free to send me some stuff, and I'll rant, I'll rant, I'll wear myself out, and I gotta go take a get a monster to get through the rest of the day. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.